At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I hope you all are doing a little better than we are. I will say that actually Chandler is is going up, moving up. And I know there's ups and downs. Um, just to recap, he was diagnosed with moderate depression. If you listened to last week's episode, I went into some details about that. You know, in depression, there are some ups and downs. It isn't just you like you flip a switch and all of a sudden you're better, but we've been doing a lot of work and the things that we've been doing have really been helping his weekend with his friend. He's now been accepted onto the hockey team. He's um, excited about that. He has three friends coming to his birthday, two from the school here that his dad helped get numbers to the parents so that they could be invited and they're both able to come as well as one friend from where we used to live is coming. So he is definitely on an upward spiral, on an overall upward momentum. So that's amazing. Uh, But he did jam a piece of wood between his toes, walking across the carpet. The dog had chewed up something, probably a stick that she brought in from outside. There was a remnant left inside this kind of thick carpet and he got it between his toes. So he hurt his toes. He's been wearing my shoes for the past two days. It's nice when your kids can start to wear your clothes. My 10-year-old's feet are as big as mine for the most part, but I have wide toes. It's a wide toe box on my shoes for running, so he can put his feet in those without it squishing. So he's been wearing my shoes. And then last night, our oldest son, 12-year-old, broke his femur um, doing parkour. They were just running backwards, and he tripped to put his arm back to catch himself, and he fractured it. And so... I'm now going to be running him to the orthopedic surgeon for the rest of the day after I record this. So I want to say thank you to all of you who support this podcast and my website and the book and everything because it really is amazing to be able to be to be able to have the freedom to go take care of these types of things when I need to. So we're walking, so we might be there for hours. 
But the good news is I can also do some work on my laptop while I'm there. So that is the rest of my day after I record this podcast today. So I have a really great question, the one I was gonna get to last week, I'm gonna get to it now. Oh, in addition, we had, Taylor told us last night, told me last night, that some boys at school have been talking in a way that makes her uncomfortable. They've been talking inappropriately um, about sex in the classroom and at recess. And so now we are tackling that issue. So I will let you know about that next week or in the next coming weeks about how we deal with that, how the school helps us. They've actually been amazing helping with the other issues with Chandler. So I'm sure they will handle this with just as much um, support as they have the other things. But one of those things we all have to deal with and teaching our kids how to speak appropriately, what's appropriate, what isn't appropriate, without shaming them about, you know, now that they're hitting puberty, about sex and sexuality. And boys tend to be a little more um, open and talking about it and not always in the most appropriate times or places. So we'll talk about that in the coming weeks as well. But today, for today's question from Jesse, this is a two-part. It's about Sibling fights, it's also about bedtimes. So we'll get into both of these as much as I can. We're definitely gonna to get to the sibling fights pretty pretty in depth and I'll cover as much as I can about bedtimes as well. Okay, she wrote, Hello Erin, I've recently come across your podcast and enjoying listening to the episodes. I have two girls, three and a half and five. They've been fighting a lot recently and many times physically fighting each other. We don't use physical punishment at home at all or even any punishments. We use consequences for actions. Another problem we're having is with bedtime. My husband has been the one doing bedtime routine with them, from story time to putting PJs on to brushing teeth, then to sleep. However, they resist everything, starting PJ time and keep running around. We also had the habit of my husband sleeping with them till they fell asleep to sing or tell a story. But they're recently not falling asleep and keep getting out of the room and try to find any excuse not to sleep. It's becoming more of a frustrating time than a loving time. Okay, so let's start with the sibling fights and aggression. And then, like I said, we'll get into the bedtime struggles after that. So there's three categories of disagreements between kids. So this can be between peers or between siblings. It's more likely between siblings. It's more likely to key up more between siblings because as an immediate family, we are much more intimate with each other. We're much more comfortable with each other. We let ourselves go emotionally more with each other than we do with people outside of our family. But these things can kick up with peers as well, especially with really close friends who see each other a lot. So these are things that you can notice and that you can work on with peers if you see them coming up as well. With really young kids, this is going to happen more frequently than with as kids get older because they also have trouble holding their emotions and working through emotions appropriately. So if you have a three or four year old or a two year old, you may see these coming up anyway with peers. Okay, so there's bickering, there's fighting, and there's aggression. The bickering is the little squabbles that they have with each other. I wanna play this, well, I don't wanna play that. I wanna play this other thing. I wanna play with that doll. No, I wanna play with that one. Well, I like the red truck. Well, no, that's my favorite truck. It was mine, somebody gave it to me. Those are the, those are bickering. You'll hear this in the middle of imaginative play because they're working through their play together. Sometimes during games, so that imaginative play, right? Who wants this truck or that truck? Because they're working through that play. During games, they work out the rules or when they're struggling with sharing or taking turns. With bickering, you can ignore these. You can kind of keep an ear out. So your kids are getting practice working through negotiating skills and communicating. 
If you always jump in with the bickering, they don't get any practice at working that out. So you wanna let that go, kind of keep an ear out and see if it escalates. If it starts to escalate, then it's different. It moves into the fighting realm. If you find it really annoys you, all that little bickering that they have, you can just leave the room. If you find it's constant, you can also help your kids work the way that they address one another. So teaching them how to share their feelings respectfully without solving the problem for them. So giving them an idea of the tone of voice that they should be using. Hey, I really like that truck. That's my favorite truck. Remember my friend Tom gave that to me at my birthday last year? That type of thing. Help them with the talk, help them with the language, help them with the tone without solving the problem. You don't need to step in and say, yeah, he did. Tom gave him that for his birthday last year. You need to let him use that. You want to just give them the example of how to talk to each other and let them work it out. You can also coach them how to share their ideas in a respectful tone, just like I was sharing just a moment ago. Fighting. You want to wait and listen. If you hear some fighting, you don't need to jump in immediately, but give them an opportunity to work it out. It's just like the bickering. Sometimes your kids will work it out and you want to give them a chance to do it. You want to give them a chance to do so and you want to give them a chance to build on their problem solving skills. These are important opportunities for them to learn. So I'm thinking back when my kids were really little and I can't tell you the number of times I was like on the brink of running into the room to help. I was listening and it sounded like it was keying up and I was like, I better get in there. But as I'm coming into the room, as I'm about to get in there, there's that moment and it just would magically work it out. One child would back down and go, okay, you can have that trucker. Okay, I understand. And they would just work it out. So They would go from yelling at each other, so that's the fighting where they're just yelling at each other and it sounds like they're not going to be able to work it out. That's when you're going to start to move in there. And then they would go to being totally sweet to each other. So just give it that half beat before you step in to see if they will work it out. If it's escalating, then step in. If it's just screaming at each other or somebody, it's about to come to blows, you definitely want to step in. You're going to coach them through the problem solving. You're going to ask each child about their goals and help them come to a resolution. So you're gonna quiet them down, ask one child about their goals, ask the other child about their goals, and then help them come to a resolution about, you know, I want the truck because, well, no, I want the truck because. And then you come to a resolution. And sometimes it's sharing, it's um, taking turns. I'm gonna set my timer for three minutes or for five minutes, and then you're gonna take turns using it. If they're a little older, they might be able to do it for longer, or, well, this time, you know, I'll let Jack play with it because I had it last time and then next time I'll get to play with it. That's as they get a little older, five and six, seven. They can do that a little more readily. Aggression. Aggression is the physical aggression. They're grabbing each other, pinching, pulling, kicking. It's also verbal aggression. Verbal aggression is name calling or anything that is said in the spirit to be hurtful. You always want to take these serious no matter what. You want to intervene with aggression every single time. You do this by giving attention to the victim first without overdoing it. Now, sometimes they're each pulling on each other's hair or they're each grabbing at each other. So in this case, you would just check in with both at the same time. But you don't want to enforce a victim mentality by giving too much attention, especially if one is more hurt than the other or one has like a a red mark on their arm and the other doesn't. You just want to give some attention to the child who has been hurt or been more hurt. Are you okay? How can Michelle and I help you make it better? What can we do to make this better? And then you want to give a consequence 
for the aggression. You and this is not like going to sit and time out. This is have him have him or her help the child that she has hurt. If it's been multiple instances in one play session, you need to have a chill out time. You need to have the child sit out, not as in a timeout. Again, just it seems like you're really having trouble controlling your emotions this morning. Let's take some time away from each other and go play quietly alone, and then you can come back and join. So if it's the child that is um, perpetuating the aggression and the two kids are playing together at a game or building something together, it's the child who's having the issues with aggression who needs to step out and the other one can stay and continue to play with the same toys or whatever. Then you're gonna uh, coach the aggressive child on better ways of behaving and sharing feelings. So one of the things I've talked with parents about a lot is when kids are bickering and fighting and um, having aggression with each other, it means that they're lacking some skill in the ability to be able to play with each other well. What this means is, unfortunately, we can't just leave them to play unattended for too long of amount of time. It means we always need to be available to step in. We always need to kind of have an ear out. And as they get older, they will get better. This will get easier. And I'm going to give some tips about managing interactions between siblings and peers where you don't have to be right on top of them all the time, as well as dealing with the bedtime issues right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. 
gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, I'm gonna talk about those tips about helping kids manage these interactions where you don't have to be right on top of them and then we'll get into that bedtime issue. So the first part is managing our expectations. So when you have two children who are six, seven and above, you can leave them to play together, especially if you've already coached and trained and worked with them on their social skills, their emotion skills, and they're relatively emotionally competent. You can definitely leave them to play for longer periods of time without too much concern. Every once in a while, they'll kind of get into it or come to blows, but very, very rarely. When you have kids two, three, and four, especially at least one in the mix, it means you're going to have to be a little more readily available. They're just going to not always be able to work through their issues. If you have two five-year-olds, you're kind of on the cusp. You can definitely leave them, but not for too long. But that three, four, and five, they really struggle. So a three and a five-year-old are going to have some struggles, mostly because the three-year-old is lacking some skill and it is probably going to exacerbate the five-year-old because they are just starting to have some skills, but now they're working with a child with less emotion skill, less social skill, and less communication skills. So so it's really age-dependent. So what I talk about with a lot of my parents when we do coaching is about just keeping an ear out and really being ready to listen, being ready to step in, letting them have a couple opportunities, but then being ready to move them apart if you need to. The first offense or second offense, move them apart for five minutes or so, 10 minutes or so, let them try again. If you're having a second or especially a third offense, it's time to take some time apart until you know after lunch, until after nap, whatever that next time of day is, or until tomorrow if it's later in the afternoon. They're just really strong struggling with their skills and are not um, doing well that day. So you just want to be ready to move them apart. Have some space where they each have some space where they can go to their own quiet space, whether it's in their rooms or you know what each of them likes to do. One of them likes to read, can go to the reading corner. The other can sit quietly and build with um, blocks or any other type of thing. Know what their interests are, how they like to calm down and invite them each to calm down in a different way, in a different space. And basically just have those expectations that it isn't going to go great and perfectly all the time, especially when you have a toddler or a toddler and a preschooler or two preschoolers even, or one elementary, young elementary and one preschooler. There's going to be some time to work out and gain some of those skills. Okay, so when we're working with the child who perpetuated an aggressive act, you want to have the child who perpetuated the aggressive act to help the child he or she hurt. So if they knocked over their block tower, have them help pull it back to put it back together. If they, um, you know, grabbed or scratched or hurt them, offer an apology, suggest an apology. It looks like you hurt your sister. It would be really nice if you would apologize. Remember, we don't want to force apologies because it works against building empathy, but we definitely want to explain why apologies are good, why they're important, and and then invite the child to apologize. Give a hug if the other child wants it. Um, You know, we never want to push um, physical affection or physical touch if the other child doesn't want it. 
So you're going to coach aggression. You're going to coach, I'm sorry, you're going to coach the aggressive child on better ways of behaving and sharing their feelings by using empathy and coaching. Empathy is allowing your child to share their feelings and then connect with them. You know, I know you were feeling frustrated about whatever, because you wanted that truck to play with. I would be frustrated too if I wanted to play with my favorite truck. You want to look for positive intent. Sometimes a child is trying to do something positive. So not necessarily if they grabbed a truck, but if there is a time where the one child is trying to help the other child and they inadvertently hurt them. So that happens sometimes, right? They're trying to, you know, um, pick up a block and put it up that just fell down and they rush in to grab the block and they, and they um, inadvertently um, hit the other child with the block. Like they, you know, they go to grab it and put it back up so that it, you know, to try to stop something from falling or something. And then they end up hitting the other child or scratching the other child by mistake. Those types of things. Okay, if there's not positive intent, if it really was an aggressive act that they reacted out of anger, tell me three other ways that you can let someone know you're angry. You can help your child out if they don't know. So you're going to coach them. You're going to scaffold them through the process. So the first time you ask this question, they're most likely going to be like, I don't know. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're going to help them find three ways that they can let the other child know that they're angry. And then once you do these coaching sessions, pretty soon you'll still see some of this behavior before it kind of gets into the their head before they really become second nature to them but they will start to be able to answer it for you so the next time or maybe two more times down the road they'll start to answer i can use my words i can take a couple deep breaths before i react they'll start to come up with their own and you'll find what works for them what is the best way for them to work out their anger i can stomp my feet and then i can talk about it and then they'll, then after they start to be able to talk about those ways, then they'll start using them or they'll start using them a little bit and then they might go back to the aggression, but it'll start to come in and you'll see it. It is a learning process. You're going to coach your child to listen to others when they say no, don't, or stop. This is really, really important. You want to always be working on this. We worked on this so much when our kids were little. At ages five and four and four, this was a very common conversation that we had. And every single time, if I would hear someone say no or don't or stop doing something and the other child or children were not listening right away, I was in there so fast to start talking about how this is just really important. When people are setting boundaries with us, we really need to respect them. So we talk about this a lot. If aggression continues to be an issue after several weeks of coaching, you want to look for some deficits in play skills. Now, Chances are the younger the child, the longer this is just going to take. Three and four, they're just still really working on this. Um, but some play skills you might want to look at. Do they know how to join other kids in play? Do they come in and take over and start telling everyone else what to do? Now, this is when you've got more than one, but even with siblings, like one child will be playing quietly and the other one will come in and start telling the other one what to do. This is going to make the other child pretty upset and angry, and they may react in a big way. This is when they both have some skills they need to work on. Okay, so now I want to get into the bedtime what's going on here with bedtime. And we don't have a ton of time left. I know I've done a lot of bedtime stuff, but I really do want to hit on this and just cover some real um, points, some basic points, just to give um, give Jesse a place to start or any other parents who are working on this, a place to start with this. So the first thing we want to look at is the sleep schedule. You want to take a look at your child's sleep schedule. 
and you want to see how much sleep they're getting in a 24 hour period because what may be happening here is there may be some nap times that are pushing into bedtimes because kids should be pretty tired by bedtime and if they're not, then there may be something else going on. Now, the five-year-old is probably not napping anymore. Um, the three-and-a-half-year-old is probably still napping, but not all three-and-a-half-year-olds do nap. But if there's any napping going on, you want to take a look at that. You want to be ending naps earlier so that they're more tired at bedtime. If the five-year-old is still napping, you probably want to drop those naps. Um, so when you have a three-year-old, you're looking at about 12 to 13 hours in a 24-hour period. A five-year-old is around 11 to 12 hours, usually a little less, 11, 11 and a half hours, and then it's gonna to start to go down from there. So you wanna make sure they're getting about in those numbers in a 24-hour period. So if they're already sleeping, you know, if you have a five-year-old and they're already sleeping 11 hours overnight, there's really no need for a nap. If you have a three and a half-year-old and, um, you know, but if you have a three and a half year old and she's hitting her hours, but she's not tired at night, then you want to move that nap earlier. You definitely want them done with their nap by 3, 3.30. But if you're having trouble, you just want to keep moving that back in the day. The other thing I'm going to suggest is doing one child at a time. Um, putting the three and a half year old down first and then the five year old down after. It, sometimes the divide and conquer is just easier. Now, it sounds like they're in the same room, which is also another challenge, but I'm not 100% sure if that's the case. Um, so having them in the same room, definitely adds an extra challenge but if you can divide and conquer and do the younger child first get her asleep before you um, put the bring the five-year-old in and maybe do bedtime in a different room and then bring her in after to go to sleep when she's sleepy so divide and conquer is a great way to do that especially if they're in separate bedrooms if i didn't quite understand that right that is definitely an easier way we used to do this when instead of putting all three kids down together, we would put the older, uh, the younger two down first and then the older one. So that it wasn't three kids running amok. It's three on two is a little, can be a little bit challenging. So we want to get from where we are right now with two kids kind of running bedtime to two parents running the bedtime. So, and to the kids, you know, parents going in, tucking in, doing the good night routine, the bedtime routine, saying goodnight, walking out, the kids fall asleep on their own. So there's definitely a gap here between um, where they are right now to where um, you know ultimately you want to get to. So there's some steps to get that in between. But um, so again, the divide and conquer would definitely be easier. You may want to pick one child to start with at bedtime. So if you have the younger child, she's going to be easier to work with because she's younger and the habits aren't as ingrained and then go on to working with the older one. So what's happening right now is our sleep associations is what we associate with sleep. So a parent being in the room, talking, singing, doing books, rubbing backs, whatever it is, even just their presence in the room while the child falls asleep is what they're associating with sleep. So you want to try to work away from that. And there's several ways to do that, which I don't unfortunately have time to go into um, much at all. But I do talk about it in many other episodes. One of them is called the mantra method. One is called the check-in method. And the other is called the, called the fading method. The fading method is where you stay in the room till they're almost asleep and then you leave and you stay close to the bed and then you slowly move yourself away from them and you leave earlier and earlier in the bedtime routine or you move further away from the bed. So you're sitting next to the door till you're sitting outside the door once they're falling asleep. So that you're still there, you still have a presence, but they're relying on it less and less. That is the fading method, which may be a good one in this scenario. 
Um, I love the mantra method, but it's it's some pretty solid boundaries about just putting them to bed and putting them to bed and putting them to bed. And it requires um, very little interaction. And when they get no interaction or very little interaction, then they stop doing it. But as sometimes parents think that they're not interacting, but they're doing, but it keeps going. It's because the child is getting some kind of payoff from the behavior. So that one, sometimes you have to suss that out. So all of those are in the toddler bedtime class. It's also in my book, The Connected Parents Guide to Toddlerhood, Easy to Implement Fixes for Seven Common Toddler Challenges. All the bedtime methods are also listed in the book. So you may, so you could, either of those would be great for getting detailed information about how to work through this. So once you figure out the sleep, that's step one, what is the sleep schedule? Are, why are they not tired at night? Because they should be. Um, and then working on this, just taking charge of bedtime and doing one kid at a time. So one parent with one child and really getting this in, under control, letting them know who's in charge. Because once they know who's in charge, once they know that these kinds of shenanigans are not going to be allowed, that it's not going to get them anything, then they'll stop doing it. So you need to be ready. So if putting PJs is a problem and they start running around the house, you wanna be ready, you're standing in the doorway, they cannot leave the room until their PJs are on. There's no way to get out the door. And if you're doing one kid at a time, there's no um, two on one. So one kid is sitting with one parent reading a book while the other child is in the room putting on their PJs. We're going right to the bathroom together, side by side. So if they try to run off, you're right there to guide them back to the bathroom. Hands on shoulders, we're going to the bathroom, we're brushing our teeth. So we're really taking control of this scenario and this situation and to really get this under control and let them know that these bedtime shenanigans are just not gonna happen. And then you can start working on, once you get through some of that, then you can start working on the falling asleep on their own, in their own space by using one of the bedtime methods. Again, if you want to know more about bedtime sleep issues, either the book, The Connected Parents Guide to Toddlerhood on Amazon or my toddler sleep class. Also, this there's a siblings class which talks about building sibling relationships, sibling fights, bickering, aggression. I have a class on your uh, helping your child with anger, which also could potentially offer even more information if you're interested. And the class you're developing preschooler, I talk a lot about coaching social skills, which includes negotiations, sharing, taking turns. So helping them work through that, also um, helping them build their social skills and emotion skills so that they have some really strong play skills because the emotion skills underlie those social skills, the play skills. So, um, and of course, positive discipline classes, including power struggles, misbehaviors and solutions, helping your child with anger, our modern parenting issues, overindulgence, raising responsible kids, and teaching a growth mindset. These are great for really learning how to set some really good boundaries with kids and helping them become more responsible for themselves, for their behaviors, for their actions, for their choices. All of those are available on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.